0: Welcome to the Elite Life with Trisha and Kylie. This is where we'll teach you how to develop grit, give yourself grace, and succeed in real estate. So let's dive in.
1: Oh, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Elite Life Podcast. Today, we have the privilege of sitting down with our managing partner at Elite Realty, a realtor who's not just a successful agent and leader himself, but also a master coach, motivator, and scripting expert for our team. Please join me in welcoming the one and only Andy B.
2: Woo! It's about time. We're like, what, 80 episodes in? and and all he has done is give us feedback and advice, which has been amazing,
1: by the way. I don't know. We don't do always I see to eye on things, but...
2: I didn't think he'd ever actually come on.
1: No, I thought he was just, like, scared us. He wasn't scared.
2: Yesterday, he's like, uh, do I come on tomorrow or, like, next month?
0: Yeah, I almost thought of a reason to not make it today. Really? But here I am.
2: Here you are. Say oh. hello to our listeners, Andy.
0: Hello, listeners. <laughs>
2: I feel
1: like I just when I was thinking about how this might go, um, I thought of the scenes from The Fifth Element where Chris Tucker is trying to get Bruce Willis to say things and he's getting like one word answers. Well, I thought of
2: Ricky Bobby just now going, what do I do with my hands?
0: (laughs) So glad to be here, guys. Thank you.
2: (laughs) can't uh, believe I've avoided this for so
0: long. I know.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's super fun. This is what we do. Yeah. So a lot of you listeners have heard the startup
1: story of Elite Realty and – how Andy has kind of been the VIP rock ever since the doors opened. And you've also heard Trish and I talk about the mountains that have been climbed and uh, put together the best. You guys did put put together the best real estate brokerage in the entire world. I think it would be um the entire world like that's a lot to live up to listen and we've got you know i know other realtors and i'm just saying like we are really the best so shameless plug elite realty for life
2: yeah so if you go through our 80 some episodes you will hear us say andy's name one million times this is that andy yeah it's
1: the andy it's the infamous andy and so um there's a lot of details though uh that could still be filled in in this epic saga so many so many details All right. So, Andy, here we are. You have the floor, sir. Can you share a little bit about where you came from and what brought you here?
0: I can. Um, You sure know how to hype someone up. So hopefully I don't disappoint. (laughs) Um, I guess we'll start where I came from, where I came from. It's really not something that I usually talk much about or, or get into. But you will get the exclusive right here on the Elite Life podcast.
2: Yes, That's crazy. See, I didn't want to write this podcast because I know all of Andy's secrets. And I was like, there's that fine line between like asking good questions and being like, I'm about to put all your stuff out in the street. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So we'll start. I mean, where I came from, um, born and raised in Detroit. For as long as I can remember, it was always me and my dad. We had this little 500 square foot house. Um, until maybe second or third grade when we moved a few houses down Oh. to a bigger, nicer 800-square-foot house. Nice. Yeah. So for any of those familiar with Westside Detroit, I went to Carver Elementary. I went to Cody High School. Um, my dad thought I would have a better chance at education outside of Detroit public schools. So... Ninth grade, I ended up transferring to a newly opened charter school a few cities over called the Academy for Business and Technology.
2: Ooh. Fancy. Sounds
0: so fancy, right?
2: So fancy. Um,
0: unfortunately, I did not learn much about business or technology. There. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Typical, you know, 14, 15 year old kid and. New kid in high school, trying to be cool, getting in trouble.
2: Not learning.
1: Not
0: learning business. or it, business.
2: And back then, like, a- academies and charter schools and stuff are really normal now. But I, rem- I remember the very, like, one of the very first academies that came out in Michigan. And they're like, oh, this won't even be accredited to get you into college. Like, it was just not a thing back right. then.
0: Yeah, no, there was maybe 80 kids in the whole school. That te- be
2: nice,
1: though. The
0: teachers were fresh out of college. My mm-hmm. teachers were, like, 21 years old. Like... <laughs> We're gonna learn you something today. Yeah, that
2: sounds like a great plan.
0: Yeah. Um. So not much happened that first year, and then I mean, um, unfortunately, so my dad actually ended up passing away my freshman year in oh. school. So I ended up with only two and a half high school credits and uh, stopped going to school and started working.
1: That's we're I'm hearing this whole story for the very first time. Trisha's got a face on, and I'm just like, oh man.
2: I know. That's why I was like, it's hard again, because I was like, I'm going to let Kylie write this episode, but Kylie doesn't know the questions to ask. So we're going to be quiet and let Andy have the floor. All right. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> just, just trying to hop in, right? So
0: I guess then this is kind of the part where it becomes a little cliche. Um, you know, I was on my own. No one was coming to save me. Um, had to turn on that no options mentality, right? Uh, so I did everything from working fast food and restaurants to construction work, I was a bouncer. Uh, you know, I, I did everything I could. Um, all that was before the age of 18. Um, the catch was after my dad passed, I was left this house by myself. Mm. Um, and it, it wasn't much of a house. You know, there, there was holes in the floor. There were holes in the wall. It wasn't some, like, glorious, like, you've got it made. You've got your own house at 15 years old. Um, you know there there was mice there were bugs it was it was rough
2: there was my man the turtle with a flag
0: we did have a turtle there was a pet turtle um we taped a flag to him so when he walked around nobody would step on him
2: that was nice yeah so I met Andy when he was 14 in that house and my friend Serena was uh dating the guy that was in the band with Andy andy in was in a band, band. yeah and she was like we're gonna go to this 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 guy is so cool he's got a house to himself and I I swear it was like your 14th birthday, or maybe you were saying it was your 16th birthday. Uh, All I remember is he said it was his birthday, but then next, the year after that, it was his same birthday. And I was like, wait. But last year, it was his birthday. So he was like lying about his age, saying he was older than he actually was. Oh, no.
0: Everybody I hung out with was probably two, three, five years older than me. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to be the weird 14, 15-year-old kid. So obviously, I took on this uh, personality of maybe being 17 or 18 or a little older than I was. Yeah. But
2: when you went to the bathroom, you had to pick up the door and put it in front of the bathroom and then pick up the door and move it. From the bathroom. Okay. So, yeah. And I think we sat on milk
1: crates, milk crates. or the floor.
0: Milk no yeah. crate furniture.
2: I
1: mean, I've been to those parties, so
0: Yeah. I mean that's that's kind of what my, my house was. It turned into this party house of just a constant circle of people, you know, and even though I was trying to be responsible or, or an adult or take care of whatever I had to take care of, I was still a fifteen year old kid. Right. Right. I was angry at the world. I was depressed. I was drinking. I was partying. I I didn't know any life outside of that. You know, being this poor kid from Detroit. Yeah. That was total normal day to day Um, when the lights would get turned off, when the heat would get turned off. That was just a normal thing. Oh, until I find some money to pay this bill and turn this back on. You know, just for an idea, like sometimes in the summer it would get so hot in the house um, with no electricity, no air, no fans. One of my memories is literally sleeping on my front porch because it was made out of concrete and it was much cooler on the porch than it was in the house. Mm-hmm. And this was just kind of like a normal day-to-day life for me at the time. I didn't think that this was bad or wrong or I just, just thought this this it is, is it. This is what you do, right? Could be worse. Um. So, and, and the reason I'm saying this, it's, it's not for pity. It's not, Oh, I hope you feel sorry for me. I'm really sharing this this time to hopefully maybe inspire or get through to somebody who might be in a situation like that. You know, somebody who thinks maybe they're in a similar spot and things are hard and there, there's no hope. There's no chance. Everything's stacked against me. You know, I want to reach out to them and let them know there's a chance you can make it out of it. You know, you've got to keep pushing towards it. So that's why I'm kind of. Sharing some of these things today to hopefully connect with somebody and help them.
2: Yeah. I mean, being 15 and like, you have nobody. Like, and when he says nobody, he means nobody. Like, it was just Andy. There was no parents, grandparents, siblings, nothing. And I remember like the first time he came over my house and my stepdad, Roy, you know, he's a big Italian guy. He's like, we're your family now. And like, he kept that through always. Like, (laughs) Every holiday, every everything, like, even if me and Andy were fighting, it would be like, it doesn't matter. Like, he's coming over, so. That's awesome. Yeah. But that was That was way down the road. This is way before that.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that was 15, 16 years old. Still didn't have anything together. So that's kind of a quick where I came from part. Um, I guess we can hop into how I got into real estate. Was that the next question?
2: Yeah, that's kind of like part two. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's see. So when I met you, what was your job when I met you? You you weren't working at the sub shop. You didn't have a car either. By the time I met you, you didn't have a car. You just were at the house okay. and then you were roofing. You're roofing with crackheads. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that um, because our friend Brandon's dad like ran a roofing company. He lived over on Greenfield evergreen 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 she's yeah. just laying it out
0: for you yes. she's just
1: yeah. helping you
2: well i think cuz it's hard right like when you're trying to remember back like there's stories that you've told yourself and then there's like like his what he lived through is obviously very different from what i ca- i came as like a city girl right like i was probably rich to him even though absolutely i was poor from the trailer park <laughs> but he was more poor from the streets of detroit <laughs> so i looked rich he and had a car. <laughs> I did. I did have a car. I did have a car. um, And I I would come and hang out and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, you were roofing, I think, by the time I met you. You guys were roofing. And I just remember you would work, like, dark to dark. And that guy Earl just constantly, like, stealing you guys' money and stuff. Like, even when you tried to work, it was always someone trying to screw you over. So
1: is that – was that, like, do you think a motivating factor of, like – watching these other people run their own businesses and the way that they did it, kind of like Trisha shares her story, like I kept working for these brokers and brokers and brokers and things would go wrong and sideways. Like, do you feel the same way? Like, is that how everything kind of stacked out?
0: Oh, always. There's a huge list of what I didn't want to be, of how I didn't want to turn out, which is strange because at first glance, all of these people They were amazing to me. Mm -hmm. You know, they they were like, wow, they're rich. They own companies. You know, they they have people that respect them. And that's those were the people I looked up to till you see it a little longer and you're running things wrong. Like this isn't right. Mm -hmm. You're, You're you're screwing people over.
1: That's not nice.
2: Yeah.
0: No. So, I mean. That's there was so much that you know, with roofing, we were working sun up to sundown. We were lucky to get a hundred bucks a day.
1: Stop it! You
0: no, know, a hundred bucks a day. Um, you know, that that was lucky. We might get paid, we might not. You know, this guy would pay us when the job was done, maybe half here, half there. Mm. We'd get some lunch, but I was, of course, 16 or 17, had no other options. So, a hundred dollars every couple days was. That was great to me. That was enough to get me what I needed.
2: This is Ollie. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes our dog's guest star on the on the podcast. Well he just surprised me. Like
0: because what's happening down? He was there. just
2: like, Hey, bro. Go. Yeah. So Andy was actually he got into the business before I did. So Okay.
0: I did. A few minutes, but A
2: few minutes. Yeah. I was still waitressing and he was he got to start dressing fancy first. Yeah, because that's what we hear. Trisha we know Trisha
1: got into the business. To dress up fancy. Yeah. So, what brought you to it?
0: Um, so, I guess what brought me into it is I, I never went out looking for an office job or a real estate job. You know, like I said, I was maybe just turned 18, two and a half high school credits. You know, I was delivering pizza at a local party store. I, I didn't have a valid driver's license, I didn't have a car. Mm. So, thanks, Trish, for letting me use your car Aww. to deliver pizza. Yeah. Um, You know, so so an office job or or a job where I got to dress up, that that was never in the cards. Right. Construction, bouncer, you know, anything that somebody with minimal education and a will to work could do. Mm -hmm. That's always what I wanted. So I think it kind of came. um, It fell into our lap like a friend of a friend. um, One of our roommates was working at a mortgage company. One of her friends that she knew was a Ford Motor Company guy, blue collar Ford Motor Company, line worker, decided one day, hey, I'm going to start a mortgage company. Mm-hmm. So this is probably 0203. Um, everybody was a loan officer at the time. Yeah. You know, everybody was doing it. Everybody was hopping in. I met the guy. I, I talked to him one night. We we're probably drinking or something. Probably. And he says, oh, man, you'd be good on the phones. You'd be good at selling. Right. And of course, I, I believed him. Why not? So the next day, I, I met up with him, and it's it's at his house. He gives me a cell phone and says, whenever this phone rings, get their information, get their date of birth, get their social security number, and we're going to pull their credit. And okay. that, was, that that was my job.
1: You're like... Cool, I can do that. Oh yeah, it was me. Better than standing outside, maybe not getting paid, like yeah, <laughs> being was, on a roof at 110 degrees
0: oh, and all sure. black. Yeah, for it was sure. maybe eight to ten bucks an hour cash. Nice. You know, we we got bonuses for the social security numbers we got.
1: Okay. Um
0: so it was it was a switch. You know, and for a while I, I did both jobs. I would do um I would work with him from nine a.m. to like four PM and then I would go deliver pizzas from four PM to like two AM or or whenever that stopped. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of just doing it all. And this is what really got me into learning how to convert, learning how to switch these deals, convert these people over the phone. I never looked at any of this as like a sale or a cold call. You know, so 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 I didn't
1: have that predisposition that we all have coming into this industry of like cold calling is scary.
2: No, we and we didn't know like you don't know what you don't know. So you got to figure you were 18 at the Mm. time. Right. So Andy's 18. So I'm 20 and. He's like, get their social security number. We didn't even know, like, what social security numbers did or, like, what credit reports (laughs) did or, like, that that was weird. You're not supposed to give them out. So we didn't know, like, you're not supposed to give social security numbers. That's why you guys got bonuses for that. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't know that. We were just like, oh, sure. We ask these questions, we get this information, we do it. So if you don't know that it's not weird to do it then you're just doing what you're told and so you're you're really great at it right like nice. because you're just yeah. You're, you you have, so the people, what we would do is they, Lamar was the guy's name and he would run ads in the newspaper for rental properties and then people would call and we'd be like going through a rental application with them. And then when we would pull their credit, we were like, okay, pull their credit. You qualify to buy. Well, of course they're pumped, right? Yeah. They're super pumped. I get to buy a house? Are you joking? I thought I could only rent. Well, then everybody could buy a house. So like we're why why wouldn't we be able to do these things? Right. So
0: Yeah. So was that solid. was it. And in, in my mind, it was never a cold call. Yeah. Right. In my mind, I was helping these people. They, yeah. they they were wanting to rent a house and now they were homeowners. So that was the coolest thing possible to yeah. me. Like, wow. I, I just turned this person into a homeowner.
2: Exc- you know, it was exciting.
0: Knowing nothing about credit or or home ownership right. or any of that, knowing that I could take Literally, these people from Detroit, the same city I grew up in, you know, the people with the same educations, the same jobs, and make them into a homeowner and move them into a city that they want. That was like the coolest thing for me.
2: For sure. Yeah, and we helped so so many people. Like Cora Lawrence, she was like, we you. It's crazy because sometimes you don't remember your clients from last year, but I know me and Andy. Like we remember every one of those beginning clients, the single moms and the older women and the the couples that had claimed bankruptcy and like all of these people. Like he said that we they thought they would never own a home again, and they would just. I think that's why. Like that was the beginning of like us getting excited about like. Serving and strengthening the community because here we are kids yeah. and we're impacting adults yeah. and families. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was amazing to literally watch these people throughout the process. They, they would truly appreciate you. You know, you would get hugs after closing. There would mm-hmm. be tears. There would be because th- these were people that never thought they would get along. Yeah. You know, they forever rent. They had slumlord landlords. You know, they they had houses falling apart. They, they thought they were stuck here. And we were able to get them and help them achieve that goal of homeownership, which was really made me love this business.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we were all in. That was it the rest is history that is a good spot for us to
1: pause Um, come back after our break and hear the rest of this
3: amazing saga do you know more than 80% of real estate agents fail and quit in their first year of business mystarsacademy.com has set out to solve this problem by providing a convenient expert-based training and coaching program for both agents and brokers The Agent Accelerator program teaches agents everything they need to know to level up their business, have a constant flow of free leads, convert those leads into clients, and take those clients to the closing table and keep them coming back for more as repeat business. Our industry experts have years of proven success in the business and are here to share that gold through one-on-one coaching. This will help you achieve more structure and work-life balance, We will map you a plan you can follow, which will guide you through the steps to scale and grow in both your business and personal life. Don't be a statistic. Visit mystarsacademy.com and enroll today so you can get the success you deserve.
2: And we are back with Andy giving us his inspiring grow-up story of uh, coming from being 14 by himself in a house in Detroit, to uh, becoming the co-founding partner of Elite Realty, a real estate company with over 100 agents. Yay! That Kylie has deemed the most amazing real estate company in the world. Yeah, we need to get a plaque. All right. Well, that's what you can get us for Christmas, but we have Andy, so let's let him... Move on with this story. So you're in the mortgage business, the real estate business. Um, you are helping change the world one uh, homeowner at a time. And, and then what?
0: I was helping change the world one homeowner at a time until I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, this is probably '3,04 maybe. maybe. Um, subprime loans were a big thing. Um, we were able to change the world because the banks were lending everybody money. (laughs) One day that all stopped. Mm. Literally, to me, it feels like one day. Like one day I went into work and it's like, oh, no more banks give loans anymore. Like, sorry, you can't call this company. They're out of business. They're out of business. They're out of business.
1: That sounds fun.
0: Yeah. Um, There used to be a website where you could watch the banks implode. Day yeah. after day. Oh, after
1: delightful. implosion mm-hmm.
2: yeah. yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy.
0: Yeah, and I mean, all the time, being 18 still, I uh, I never saved any money. I never thought this would ever come to an end. You know, like I said, I went from roofing and delivering pizzas to selling mortgages.
2: Right. And you had a kid in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was a kid in the middle of there somewhere. <laughs>
2: like you guys just <laughs> casually threw that in.
0: <laughs> yeah, which was, I mean... Thankfully, though, throughout this part, I mean, we we moved out of the guy's basement. His office actually got an actual office space. You know, I got to meet some other people in the industry. Um, You know, I think there was times I was working three jobs. I was doing the uh, calling for the mortgage company, the pizza delivery. Then on the weekends, I was stuffing envelopes and doing reception work at a Remax. Okay. You know. But then I got to learn every end of the business. Right. You know, there were some pretty big hitters at the time working out of that office that I was stuffing envelopes in. Mm-hmm. So
1: you were just like a sponge, just like I was a sponge. One
0: hundred percent. I was a sponge. Um, people ask, oh, well, how did you get good at it? How did you learn? How, like, that was it. I, I learned. Right. Anything there was to do, I learned. I, I listened way more than I talked. Mm-hmm. You know, And that was to help me pick up everything. And I, I went in as a blank slate. Right. And I think that's kind of part that is hard for some people in real estate to get into is going in blank. That was an advantage that I had of not knowing anything, having no education, no college degree, no sales experience is I knew nothing. Yeah. Right. So there wasn't a right way to do this in my mind.
2: Okay. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we were what do you think? Like I don't even know if we were a full year in the business when we found out we were having Trent. And so at that point, it wasn't even about like us learning or uh, you know, how, how good we could get or whatever. It was like we have no choice but to like make this work because there are no other options. <laughs> like there is yeah. now another human coming and this is all we all got. Like I had quit school. I had quit my waitressing jobs. He had quit roofing. He, Like he said, he was stuffing envelopes. So it was like this mortgage and, and real estate thing had to work. And then as the bank started closing, uh, it was like, then what? You know, yeah. then what? Then what? So then what, Andy?
0: Then what? Um, well, things got hard through there too. I mean, there were times where we weren't able to cash our checks. We we would work the whole week or two weeks. We would have a closing Right. And we wouldn't get our commission checks. Commission at the time was five hundred dollars.
1: Oh, yes. We've heard. We've heard that.
2: Yeah. And we would have to. So our REMAX office was on um, eight mile and across the street, there was a Kroger with a best bank. And we would literally no joke, no exaggeration. We would run out the door and race the other two people that worked in our office to see who would make it to the bank first to cash their check because they weren't all cashing. Oh. And again- there's only
0: so many funds. Yeah,
2: there's only so many funds. And Andy is being both a realtor and a loan officer on the deal. I am being the loan processor on the deal. And we're only getting, he's getting $500. I'm getting my like, four dollars an hour as a processor and then like these other two workers are trying to do the same thing as us and we are running across the street and i'm pregnant to try to Stop see it. whose checks gonna cash and like these people like it was so bad the women in best bank they were giving away a, a grocery basket full of food and they fixed the entries so that me and Andy would get it. Cause they felt so bad for us. Like we're kids, Aww. you know, like he's 18 or he's 19 by the time I'm pregnant, 19, I'm 21 and they're watching us do this every, every week or well, every like two these weeks kids are nuts. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that was it. That's wild, yeah. man. I could not, um, I carry on.
0: I'll but yeah, I mean, that, that $250 <laughs> gift basket from the bank contest was like life-changing. It was. The time. I, I cried. cried.
1: <laughs> and not just because you were hormonal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, that, that was the, the middle part of it, right? That's more of this is not how I want people to look at me as a leader. I would never want my company or my people to have to go through that kind of stuff, right? Well, they're in there doing what they can to grow my company. Yeah, you know, so it was, it was a learning experience.
1: You guys learned everything that you didn't want. Yeah, which is exactly why you guys have the office and the culture that you do. Yeah.
2: So then there was no more mortgages.
0: Yeah, there was no more mortgages. Um, what did I do with my life?
2: Property management.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So when, when (laughs) the. Look at that
1: uh... face for you (laughs) listeners who are not visualizing or looking at at a video that we put out here. So, Andy just made the best face I think
0: that was a part of my life that I blocked out. Right, (laughs) Yeah, and you just made him, it was
2: painful. Did you see it? Well, because there was no more mortgages. Like, I had my real estate license, so I was like, you know, at this point in time, we had always worked together, but he got really deep into um, being a loan officer, and I segued off into being a loan processor really deep, and then I went into wholesale lending. So we kind of like went on on different spaces of, of life, right? And also, we dissolved our marriage, so <laughs> you you don't want to like work at the same office in the process of that. So he's often like really deep into mortgages. I'm often wholesale lending, but the subprime implosion affect both of those, right? So then it was like I was like, okay, well I'm gonna get my real estate license, and then I was like, well, what are you gonna do? And I don't even remember how you ended up in. Oh, we had we had a person we worked with that was um, dealing with overseas investors. Okay, and so it was like we both had no job, but we both have this kid together, so. we we know like we got to work together to figure something out right yeah. like we got to figure something out because we can't be broke because we got to take care of this kid together and so it was like okay um we hooked up with this girl we start doing this overseas investing and so we're selling all these houses to overseas investors, and they got to be managed. They're all in Detroit, so it kind of was Andy's backyard. He knows the area, he knows the streets. Like they used to make fun of me when we would do the the ads because I would say the names of the roads wrong. I would say uh, Metetal instead of Metatal and stuff like that. But Andy knew it, so it was like (laughs) it was it was a make sense transition to us at the time that he would do property management i would um get my real estate broker license uh and we would roll that together and figure it out so it was like we kind of like joined back forces for the good of like raising this child broke in an industry that was absolutely broken and like going from there
0: yeah and this was the time i mean where everybody is complaining about the market right there was Thousands of jobs lost, banks shutting down, houses were five ten thousand dollars 10000 for a house, right? So when I started, I'm selling homes in Detroit for $150,000 mm-hmm. to anybody. By the end of year two, right, two years later, now those same houses are selling for five or $10,000, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's saying, oh, nobody's buying. The The market's terrible. I'm going to wait for the market to go down. I'm going to do this. There were overseas investors that were capitalizing on our market, Mm -hmm. right? We had people from Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, right? And these people were, oh, an investment property where I'm from is $400,000. Right. I can buy 40 homes here. Yeah. Right? And rent out 40 properties at $800 a month. That's going to get me a far better return than I ever would back home, Mm -hmm. right? So while everybody was here complaining that the market's slow, nobody's buying we were selling homes by, by the block.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Nice.
0: You know, we, we had to find that and run with it. And back to learning what I didn't want to do. That's kind of how we fell into property management. This was back in 04, 05, maybe 06.
2: 6, 07. Like 06,
0: Yeah. The world was being ran by Craigslist. Right. <laughs> so literally people were putting ads on Craigslist Buy this house in Detroit, $500. People from the other side of the world were responding to these ads and buying these homes. Yeah. They were also getting scammed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? They were sending money to contractors that didn't exist. Yeah. They were buying homes that didn't exist. They had no eyes and ears on the ground. There was nobody here to look over them.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? They were getting taken advantage of. People were too busy trying to make a quick dollar instead of building a relationship with these people. I'm gonna sell you one house and scam you out of $10,000 instead of selling you 30 homes at $1,000 a house, mm-hmm. right? So we were able to really find something that was missing in the industry at that time, take it and, and make it good, right? We found a void and we filled it. You didn't have eyes and ears here on the ground to watch over your properties, we'll do that for you. you know, and it started with four or five homes, and almost before I knew it, we had a hundred plus doors.
1: Holy Moses! We, we,
0: we apartment buildings, single family residential,s duplexes, all over Detroit. Um, it was it was pretty crazy.
2: Oh, but it was exhausting because, like we said, our our investors were overseas, so. Me and Andy have this, you know, little office in Livonia on Schoolcraft in Newburgh. And we would – that was when Skype was a thing. So we would would work all day in our business, like, placing tenants. And, you know, Andy would be on the streets driving around to Detroit trying to collect rent. And then they're mad because, you know, these tenants don't have any rent. And I'm going, I don't know Detroit, right? So I'm like, Andy, why can't you just collect the rent? And he's like, Trish, these people don't even have furniture in their (laughs) places. Like, there is no rent. Rent to collect, you right. know, and um, we're doing the best we can during the day. But then we would have to stay up all night because that's when our clients were up. So we would be Skyping all night long, giving them updates, giving them, them updates. Know. They'd want to talk to us. They'd want to see us. They'd want to know they're not getting scammed. Right. There were people. So it was like it was literally a 24 yeah. hour job. And we and you had no choice because, again, we have this child that like, It's just us. There's nobody. Nobody was coming to save us. Like, my parents are out of the picture. Andy has no family. So it's just me and him and this baby in the office. And this baby. (laughs) With Trent coming up with our flip flops, going, it's a client. It's a client. It's a client. You know, and and hopefully not hiding our car keys in in pots and pans so we can leave and and come into the office. And a lot of times we were staying in the office. Like, I remember laying my head down and sleeping on my desk because I was so freaking tired because that's it that's all we had right. and like he was saying the industry was so bad we couldn't even find good workers like he would find a construction crew they would you know steal the money or we would find somebody to collect rent and they would steal the money and those people are calling us like where's our money right and there's no like well you don't know detroit like they didn't understand detroit these investors we had i remember some people from australia and they came with fanny packs full of Money, like rolls of money. And Andy's like, what are you doing? You can't walk around with a fanny pack with rolls of money in it, you know? And no. And we were just figuring it out as we go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's what we had to do. Um, And that, once again, helped mold and develop the the culture, the company, the things that we built now. Yeah. It It was so hard at the time, you know, but there was no other option. We couldn't just pack up and say, never mind. At the end of the day, having that property management company made me realize that I am responsible for it no matter what. It doesn't matter if I blame, oh, well, I sent Kylie to collect the rent. That that doesn't matter that she didn't get it. At the end of the day, I'm responsible for paying these investors out. Mm. At the end of the day, if the contractor quit, I'm responsible for getting the furnace in that house working. Right. Right. Nobody's saving you. At the end of the day, you can either be your best or your worst employee. What's it going to be?
1: Yeah. I for love sure. That. So for all you out there complaining that the market's bad right now. <laughs> Trisha's is constantly saying, "We didn't have GPS, we didn't have this, we didn't have Google, we didn't have
2: nothing." No, we didn't have smartphones, and that's the other thing you got to remember like at this time, there's no there was none of that. It's just Skype and Like the – oh, I think we were on to, like, TomTom GPSs. Like, Trent said to me on the trip, he's like, you know, you didn't have smartphones before this. I was like, yeah, but we had this GPS box that we stuck to our windshield. And And you would have to
1: plug it it into your computer to get the updates and stuff like that. And it wouldn't tell you about construction or crashes or speed traps like we do now.
2: So I don't want to hear it.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
2: so all of this overwork, like, you know – it turned us into some, like, you know, hard workers and grinders, but also we were kids trying to figure it out. And um, I would say, like, trying to just for the, the sake of time, I would love to kind of go into um, Andy transforming his life because like he was kind of the first one to really take a really hard hold on this with 75 hard like after we opened elite because we can kind of go through like we built that property management company property management went away the market started to come back right prices started to stabilize we were able to open elite realty from knowing like what we didn't want and I guess I'll kind of like let you kind of go from from property management into where you are today (laughs)
0: Yeah. And of course, you guys are getting the the podcast highlight reel version. Right? right. Oh, yeah. We started a property management company and we helped all these investors and we worked into the night and things were so hard. And right, th- there was still a lot of behind the scenes, though, you know, that we were still kids. We were still had no clue what we were doing in business. Mm. Um
2: Andy slept on a basement floor for a while during this. You know the piss mattress story? He didn't even have a mattress. Oh, so he's on the piss stain
0: <laughs> concrete yeah, no, floor. Yeah. I mean there there was time no car, no money, you know, no house. I was living in friends' basements, on couches. You know, it was it was a hard time. There there wasn't endless piles of money, and the money that did came, I was still a kid. I was irresponsible, right? <laughs> I I was uh I I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. You know, um, so there was obviously lots of uh, hurdles to go through. What was the question?
1: What was...
2: <laughs> How'd you get here?
1: How'd I get here?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, zoned out for a minute. Um, Fast
2: forward through those 20 years of trauma. We're bringing back... Yeah. This is kind of like therapy. See, this is probably why you didn't want to come on the podcast. Is, the yeah. same reason you don't actually go to therapy, because then you got to like relive all this stuff. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um. So what brought me here? Um. I heard you mention seventy five hard.
2: Yeah, like how did you how did you stabilize your life? Because who you are today and who you were even then. Like I joked before we got on here, we worked at this office together um, because after property management and all of that like went down, we did close up for a little bit and go work for somebody else to learn. We needed we had a lot to learn, and we yeah. weren't going to learn all of that. Like you can teach yourself. You know, we we wanted to give some value on this show. You said you wanted to give value. And I think one of the things that we learned was you can teach yourself a lot of stuff, right? Like we stumbled through this teaching ourselves a lot of stuff. But there was a point in time where we needed to go learn from somebody else. Um, and Andy was like, hey, like this guy's he's, he's doing it big. Like, it, like, let's just like kind of learn from him for a little while. And we did that. And I was joking before the show that there was this uh, part on the uh, we had a Christmas party and they put up pictures of us with like all these like um, best of like you know how in high school it's like best smile, best this, best that. It was like it had like Andy with a picture with two alcohol bottles, like best business card photo. Uh, Mine was uh, able to answer questions with the the fewest amount of words basically saying I was a B word because like (laughs) I I had no time for anybody. I was just like, here's your answer. Get out of my office. So like, you know, it's the like he said, it's the highlight reel, the glamour shots, but in the process, like you're going through all these different versions of yourself, right? Right. We start as kids. We think we're bosses and we're cool, but we're actually just like broke and and trying to figure it out. Um. Then we we think we've actually conquered it, but we're just like partying and like struggling. And and then we actually start to get some traction. So I'd love to just be able to give some of that traction story because I think that that's, that's so important, you know?
0: I think for me, the traction came when I realized, so everybody has that imposter syndrome, right? And I I would always put on this front like I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I've got it all figured out. I've got this company. I've, I've got these investors. I've, I've got these things because I was doing better than maybe other people in my circle or I was doing better than I was last year. Right. Right. So that was always my go to. Well, I could have ended up like this person. Well, if I was doing this. So that made me feel like I was accomplished. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I was the best of the worst somehow that that made me feel okay. In this business, you get to meet a lot of people. Right. So you're meeting a lot of investors. You're meeting a lot of clients. You're meeting a lot of people from different walks of life, different industries. Right. Right. And then you realize. Maybe I don't have it as figured out as I do.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Maybe I don't always want to be the most successful person in the room. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I'm in a room full of people that aren't really succeeding. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I really started pushing myself to get better. I, I started looking more into personal development and books and podcasts. You know, this was 10 years ago. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> You know, I, I really started getting into that, which is weird because the first book I ever read, I was probably sixteen or seventeen, and it was Rich Dad Poor Dad. Nice, right? And I thought, oh, that was cool. And I remember reading Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? But at the time, fourteen or fifteen, it, it, I didn't understand any of the context of that book,
1: or like how to apply, or it. how
0: to apply it, right? So I revisited that stuff again as I got older. I remember watching The Secret movie or reading The Secret. I remember that. And thinking that this is a joke. <laughs> if I think I have a million dollars, I'll have a million dollars. I thought about it and it didn't work.
2: That was all manifest. They showed, it, they showed it They showed to us at decision one and I didn't get it either. I, again, I was 22 yeah. and I'm just like, what, a, what, they're showing me this at a corporation? Like, what does
0: this mean? What a mean? joke, right? Yeah,
1: they showed it to us when I was selling vacuums, when I was selling filter queens at the age of 19 years old. And I remember thinking, this is garbage. Right. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: no. And it's funny, now that I'm almost forty, that that is such a big part of my life. You know, journaling, manifesting, uh, picturing things, right? And and even if you learn the science behind it, mm-hmm. if you listen to some of this Joe Dispenza stuff, some Ed Lat talks about your reticular activating system. Like, there's a lot of science behind it that can actually push that into reality. Yeah. Um, so, not to get too far off on the. Uh, tinfoil hats. Um,
1: I didn't bring mine today, so you're on your own.
0: (laughs) Um, but I mean, even a few years ago, something that really put a big change in my life was that 75 hard program, you know? Um, even though I thought I was succeeding in business and helping people and, you know, I, I, I wasn't sleeping on a basement floor anymore. I I had a license. I had my own car, right? I was 320 pounds. Right. I was drinking. I I was partying. I was I was staying out. I was just I I was trash.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Don't be trash.
0: Don't be trash. I was trash. But, you know, after the weekends left, I was able to pull it together for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Mm -hmm. right? And and be good again. Right. Or I was able to convince myself that it's okay to go out on the weekends because I'm going out with these bosses. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going out with these owners of other companies. I'm going out with investors. I'm so it was okay to just go out and live this life of
2: debauchery debauchery because <laughs> it was networking
0: it was networking right and um i mean that 75 hard program i ended up seeing it through an instagram ad or something right like charlie rocket and andy Forsella were doing it and i was like oh so this guy lost a bunch of weight doing this program you just got to exercise and read a book i can do that right So I did. Um, My first round of 75 hard, I figured what's going to be the hardest diet, right? So I went from eating nothing but meats and carbs to I'm going to do vegetarian
1: nice,
0: or a vegan. I did a strict vegan diet for 75 days because I thought that would be the hardest for me to do as a diet. Because in this program, you're able to choose your own diet.
2: Yeah, because you did CrossFit, so you were paleo. Yes. So it was all meat, yes. meat. And we had done um, Adkins for so many years. So it was like meat and cheese, meat yep. and cheese.
1: That yeah. sounds like a good, I mean, that sounds like a good bargain. That's it. Though, like, it sounds I'm easy, right? Meat and cheese.
0: Mm-hmm. So I figured what's going to be the hardest? What's going to make this more difficult?
1: The absolute opposite. So I
0: chose the total opposite, right? And after 75 days of that, you know, I I didn't want to go back. I, I went 75 days without drinking. I then realized maybe drinking didn't serve a purpose for me. Mm. Maybe it didn't really push me in the right direction. I never would say I had a drinking problem. I was an alcoholic. I was a social drinker. I'd, yeah. I'd go out on the weekends. I'd buy a pile of shots, right? I, I'd end up with a bag of Taco Bell on my couch at 2 a.m. Right. And, you know, and do it again the next weekend. You know, I never saw a problem with that. till I realized how many days am I losing doing that. If I'm losing two or three days a week from drinking, being hungover, right? That's that's nine, 12 days a month, right? So that's almost half year month. You're looking at almost losing six months a year just out of those two or three days of drinking and hangovers, right? So once I realized that didn't serve a purpose for me, that gave me extra time to be able to focus on the things that do. Right? So it was really kind of a big wake-up call for me that some of these things aren't serving a purpose for me. So I think I completed 75 hard the first time maybe three years ago is maybe when the program came out. I haven't drank since.
1: Good for you, dude.
0: I've also been vegetarian <laughs> since, too. I, I, I tried to go back and eat meat, and it just it, it wasn't sitting right.
2: Right. But I think, like, the big part about that, too, is, like, you adopted that as your identity. And I I remember it so clearly because you started walking around the office going, I eat plants. I eat plants. You want to feel alive? Eat alive. I eat plants. I eat plants. And he did it so much. Like, it inspired our entire office. Like, as soon as him and Amanda finished it, I was like, well, I got to do 785 hard. And the only reason I was able to finish is I was like, if Andy did it, I am finishing it. I am <laughs> He cannot do something that I cannot do. And it, was, it wasn't it was just transformational for him, which it was. It was amazing. It was for all of us. Right. Like I know it was super inspirational for me. Um, I did 75 Hard After. I've done it three times. You've done it a bunch of times. We made Kylie do it. Oh, yeah.
1: it We're doing Kylie. it again, too. We're going to do it again. Yep.
0: <sighs> yeah, so, I mean, the cool thing about that when I started that journey is – I was able to start looking at people that have succeeded already, people that were already in those positions I wanted to be in. That was the cool thing as I, I never really used my social media as, you know, to see what these people are doing. I I would use it to like everybody else, post pictures of my food or my beer or, you know, my, my night out, right. Till I realized I can get a look into what these people are doing, the David Goggins, the Jesse Itzlers, the Andy Fursellas. Yeah. I was able to follow their stories. They're giving out all of this great content and advice, and you're able to just tap in and see what these guys are doing on a day-to-day. Right. You know, so that really helped me. Um, I got more into personal development, part of the 75 Hard Program, you have to read 10 pages. So I read so many books. Um, that's still a habit that stays with me, whether I'm on the program or not every morning, I'm reading 10 pages every single morning. That's part of my morning routine. I don't deviate from that. I read 10 pages and I journal every morning, no matter if I'm sick, if I'm traveling, if I wake up late, it's there.
2: Yeah. And you have a pretty in-depth morning routine. Um, being uh, coaches as we are, sometimes we coach each other, which is super helpful because we can be like brutal with each other and be cool about it. So can you tell our listeners, like t- walk them through a day in Andy's life? Because like you you pack a lot of of personal development in. So if you can kind of give them some tips and resources about what that looks like to really start your day right.
1: And what helps you maintain that
2: yeah because yeah consistency like you've stayed consistent with that like you said for over three years now which is awesome because i always say like oh you know you get a lot of these like transformation stories like oh i lost this weight great but then in three years you have that weight back on like you have done this consistently for three years and keep doing it
0: yeah um part of it was changing my identity you know realizing that i am this person now i am the person who reads in the morning I am the person who journals. I am the person that goes to the gym. That's became part of my habits and rituals. You know, it's for the longest time uh, I'm not a morning person. Oh, I don't like reading. I don't. Whatever you tell yourself, that's what it's going to be. When you're able to change your identity and transform into, I am a morning person. I do read every day. I enjoy it. I journal. I like the gym. Right. Once I did that, that was able to help me create these habits that now are embedded into me and I do them consistently day after day no matter what. Right, That's going to be the big part is no matter what. Once it becomes a habit, that's the things you don't like you're going to do anyway. For example, I was traveling last week, I didn't pack a toothbrush. Right, So instead of waking up and saying, oh, I didn't pack my toothbrush, I'm not brushing my teeth today, my whole day is ruined. Right? I walked downstairs to the hotel lobby and said, hey, do you have a toothbrush? Yeah. Here you go. And guess what? Problem solved. Teeth are brushed.
1: <laughs> right? See, I totally would have been like, well, we're not brushing our teeth today. <laughs> right?
0: Because that's the thing. And when things become a habit, right, you just know that's what I have to do. I have to wake up and I have to do this. Right? Same thing with reading for me and journaling in my book. Those are just things that have become. It becomes stronger and stronger that I can look back into these old journals and books that I have and realize that I have wrote down and created this life through writing down these goals, targets, and taking action on them, you know, so once you see that momentum and it starts working, you don't ever want to stop. Right. Right? Same thing with the gym. Once you start going and you see that you're getting stronger or you're getting faster, you don't want to stop. It's just that time building up to it when you're not seeing those results, that's when you want to quit. That's when you want to stop.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, um, I love that you you told us a story one time about you and Amanda and Aiden. You have, uh, for our listeners that don't know, Andy's married to Amanda and they have a young son, Aiden. And you had told a story one time that you guys were uh, at a hotel and you walked by the gym and Aiden was like, well, there ain't nobody 75 hard in here. (laughs) And I love that. So can you talk a little bit about how, like, not only do you do it, but you bring your family along with you. And, like, we have Trent... Trent is 19. I can't believe he's going to be 20. But then you also have this little guy. So maybe give some of our listeners a little bit about how you navigate like the balancing act of having a little and a big and then like bringing your whole family along on this journey of transformation.
0: I don't know if I balance it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's balanced. I just kind of do it. Um, do what I can where I can. Um, yeah. It's a 75 hard and kids. Yeah. Uh, Aiden, who is eight now, he's completed the program probably 10 times. Um, I'd push him in a stroller through Heinz, you know, in the middle of a blizzard because I had to get my outdoor done. Right. Right. So it's just really that that no excuses mentality. And that translates. So if you guys do have kids or, or family or younger siblings or somebody, they do watch you, regardless if you think it or not. Right. They watch you. And it's going to show up in the oddest times. And you're going to realize, oh, wow. That choice was right.
2: yeah
0: right that's what I should have did and it, it inspires you to keep doing it and keep going.
2: Yeah, what was the book that Aiden wrote?
0: I think it was nobody cares work harder
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait
3: <laughs> wait
1: wait wait, wait. your son wrote a book. Yes. Called nobody cares. Work harder. Yeah,
0: it's something like that. Can might... we
1: can we find this on Amazon because my my nine year old diva needs to read this.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's not on Amazon. It's it's on his desk in his room. Okay. But. Yeah, I, th- I think that was when I was going through a lot of David Goggins in my life. Yeah. So, so he might have picked up some of that stuff. <laughs> right. So one day I see that he's, he's drawing the cover and it says, nobody cares, work harder.
2: I love right? that so much. Yeah. He also, um, oh, can you chat a little bit about, speaking of Goggins and the stuff that Aiden, um, your accountability mirror? Because I think that that was- I favorite. wrote that down right here, the mirror of shame. <laughs>
1: The mirror
0: of (laughs)
2: shame—that's what I can also
0: be called. Um, The accountability mirror for me, that was a huge part in really transforming my life and my identity. A lot of people they have their positive affirmations, right? Like, oh, my mirror is going to say I'm beautiful, I'm special, I'm kind, right? The accountability mirror—the way that worked for me is it told the cold hard truths. It said, "You're fat. Work harder," right? You're lazy. Go read a book, right? It, It. had these sayings that every morning when I woke up, it was like your own worst enemy. The biggest bully in the room was just picking on you. Yeah. First thing you do when you open your eyes and then you realize that's me.
1: Yeah.
0: Like that, that's me. I did this to myself. Right. And once I did that, that really transformed into that. No excuses. Cause a lot of my life, I hung out with people that Nobody would tell me I was wrong, right? Your friends are always so nice to you, right? Nobody decided, hey, dude, maybe 320 pounds is a little unhealthy. Hey, man, maybe drinking that much, you should slow down. Hey, maybe you don't have to do this every weekend. Nobody said that because it's all fun, right? You you surround yourselves with these friends who they they think they want the best for you, right, because they don't want to tell you what's wrong about you. And I've lost friends by telling them, hey, This is the cold, hard truth. A lot of people don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, so that accountability mirror for me created that awareness of who I am and who I want to become. And I mean, just through that, you know, you said Aiden, Aiden made his own accountability mirror. (laughs) His was a little better than mine. His was like, I'm a cool kid. I'm a good friend. I'm, you know, just tips like that so he could remember as he's going through the day of the things that he wants to accomplish.
2: I love that. Yeah. And I think the listeners need to know, like, these are never things that Andy's like, oh, Aiden, you should do this. There are always things like he'll pop in and he'll see that he did it, you know. So everybody who uses their kids like, oh, I can't do this. I have kids or I can't do that. I have kids. How about let your kids be the reason why you do it? Because here is such a great example of when you make these changes in yourself, your kids see that. And they do it. Trent was telling me a story because um, I just came back from eight days of being on the road with Trent in hotels and things like that. And and I'm so grateful for having Andy as a partner now because I know he's in the office, he's holding things down at work. I can be on the road with Trent or vice versa. So like, um, we have our Wednesday uh, team talk, and I'm in the car, I'm on the team talk, and afterwards, Trent was like, "Oh, what were you doing?" I was like, "Oh, I was on, I was on team talk." Like if I don't show up how can I expect my team to show up? And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, um, at our my last hockey team, uh, our coach was always on us for, like, being on time to practice. One day he showed up late. We had already started practice without him. And the coach comes out, and he's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, you're late. You're late. What are you doing? Like, it's, <laughs> it's about time you show up. And it was, like, it was just, like, another testament to, like, you know, him paying attention to the fact that whether we are out of town or we feel like it or we don't, or whatever it is like we have to live this life we have to lead by example we have to show up and do these things or we can't expect our kids to like we can't say hey here parents parents here's a great tip why you can't get your kid to eat vegetables because they don't see you eating vegetables shut up trisha Period. <laughs> Absolutely. Period. That's the truth. You, you can't get your kid to be healthy because you're not being healthy. You can't get your kid to read a book because you're not being reading a book. I see all the time on Andy's Instagram and his wife's Instagram, Aiden sitting there reading a book. Right. Like, I mean, it's so inspirational because they don't they don't really talk about these things. Right. Like Andy doesn't really tell his story. You don't see them like bragging or anything like that. But they'll snap these little pictures of Aiden doing these things. And he's doing them because he's watched his parents do these things. Mm -hmm. And then it inspires the rest of us to work harder and do those things and show up because then our kids and our teams show up and do those things.
1: Yeah. There was something you told me when we first started coaching before I even came to Elite. And um we were talking about the things that, you know, would keep me from reaching my goals and all of the things that we had written down. And I was like, man, if I could just get my whole family on board. And the first thing you told me was, if, you ch- if I change me, I change we. And now Casey, Casey, Casey will call me out, mom, uh, I saw the cereal bowl on the coffee table this morning so I know you ate after I went to bed and you're not supposed to eat after I go to bed. And I'm like Shh, sh- sh- you just don't want all your cereal gone by 8:00. <laughs> but she'll get up, she'll work out. Like she wrote out a routine and it's it is true. Like there it's like ripples in a pond, truly.
2: Yeah. And I think another thing that Andy said that I want to touch on too is um Being around people that that will tell you the truth. One of the most pivotal moments in my life, in my career and in and with Elite Realty is I went deep in Beachbody because it transformed me physically and mentally and with personal development. And he one time came in the office and was like, I wish you cared about our real estate company as much as you care about fitness coaching. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And for me, it wasn't I cared about fitness coaching, it was I was excited that I was changing women's lives through showing them and doing well myself. And what I realized when he said that was, I could do the same thing with my real estate company. I could show up in the office and learn scripts and do things I was scared of and do things outside my comfort zone. And it translated into real estate as well. And when I started doing that, my competitive advantage was like, I can be as as good at this as TJ and Andy. I can do these things. I can't. I used to be like, oh, well, I can't be a good broker and be a good realtor at the same time. But yes, I can, right? Yeah. So by being, by opening myself up to instead of when Andy gave me feedback, me saying, me taking that as you're doing it wrong, you're not good enough. Instead, I started taking it and I started asking for it. Like, how can I do this better? Because I knew he would be brutally honest with me and be like. Trish, like stop messing around. Like you could do better if you cared about this or you did this or you blah, 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 blah. And once I did that, he also opened up to me being able to give feedback. And now we're able to sit in the room and instead of screaming at each other and tearing each other's heads off, we're able to work together in how can we make this company better? How can we make ourselves better? What can we do better? And, and being honest and being okay with saying, oh, here's where, you
1: know, we're really effing up or like we've got a big hole that we need to fill. Mm-hmm. But like what I love is that you guys, one thing that you guys have taught me is if you're going to bring a problem to the table, you also have to bring a solution. You have to bring a plan. What you say last week? Plan, solve problems. Plan,
0: solve problems.
1: See, it is, it sticks. See, the meetings. <laughs> but um, that is one thing that I've learned from you guys that I've taken home with me. Like when I, when Ryan and I have to sit down and have a chat about something, you know, that's going on domestically with us, it's, here's, here's the problem. Here's a solution. Will this work or can we make this work? You know, I love it.
0: Nobody likes hearing that they're wrong or they're doing something that they shouldn't, or somebody thinks they can do it better. It's, it's when you're able to take that and really build off of it. That's when you're going to see change in personal life and business life and, and whatever, you've got to take that criticism and really know where to go with it.
2: Yeah, and think of it more like coaching instead of criticism, right? Like sometimes we – we have blinders on to to where we lack sometimes because i think we especially for us coming from such humble beginnings and being around people that weren't winning it's so easy for us to be like well i'm better than that one i'm better than that one i'm better than that one but instead i start to think there's always someone better and that also has translated to our kids when we had Trent on the podcast go back and listen to i'm built different cuz it's such a great podcast um he said like when you asked what did you learn from your parents he said i learned there's always someone that's going to be doing better doing more being better so there's always room for improvement and i think when you can have that mentality the whole world opens up to you yeah for sure i love it so, so
1: much. Fire people. yeah
2: so let's fast forward because we did have an actual script that we yes. completely deviated off of it's okay um uh number one what i the last question I want to ask that's not on the script is what does success look like in this season of your life Andy
0: great question um that's a question that I ask people, so having it asked to me is what what <laughs> um, to me right now, success looks like continuing the forward momentum that I have right i'm I'm not content where i'm at, but i I am. I am happy for it, right? To me, success is continued momentum in that direction, continue to be better than I was yesterday, continue learning more than I did yesterday. And now I'm really at a point where I want to help as many people as I can, whether it's with the Monday motivation coaching calls or one-on-ones in the office or even this podcast. If I can help somebody, that to me is more successful than anything seeing these agents come in that have spent a year at another office and they come in and now they've just totally transformed their business in three months because somebody took the time with them or told them the ways that to me is success making other people successful that is that's what fulfills me right now that's what's filling my cup is helping other people aspiring to inspire i
1: love that so much it's working. What?
2: What is that? So Kylie loves your scripts. Oh, She loves your That's that. what, so that's
1: what Trisha was nodding
2: about. Okay. So we're <laughs> moving on. Okay. Um, I'm going to let you write all your questions. Now, I let Kylie write this podcast, and then I did not use any of it it Yeah. yeah so
1: we see how it goes um no so i do i love your scripting i have grown so so much um just from working with you and writing the scripts and getting feedback from you and um just really just i really appreciate the the times where you really dig in with me and help me deal with objections or mentalities so if you can give our listeners some like key key tips that you can give them, um, you know, when it comes to prospecting and, and scripts and sales?
0: The best tip I can give somebody is learn the script. That That's going to be the best tip I can give you is actually learn the script. I'd say 90% of the people that come to me, they, they've got something along the lines of, I don't do scripts, or I don't want to sound like a robot, or I'd like to change this into my own words. And, you know, whatever makes them feel comfortable. The script isn't broken and you're already trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, I would say, learn the script. Imagine, you know, you pull up to McDonald's, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Right. That, that's a pretty standard greeting there. Yeah. So, so imagine if I went there and I said, no, that's not me. And instead of saying, welcome to McDonald's, can I take your order? I'm going to say, sup bro, how many chicken nugs do you want? That, that's just more me. You're going like, to get it, fired. It feels more natural. So that, that's kind of how I want to greet the customers.
3: <laughs>
0: it might work for some. It might make some mad. It might totally not even apply to the people coming there to get hamburgers. Right. Right. So that's why we, we've got to take the script. It, it's not broken. So why are we trying to, trying to fix it? We've got to learn and, and trust these techniques before we try and change them.
2: Success leaves clues, friends. I Absolutely. love that so much. Absolutely. I mean,
0: when when I first started with my mentor, I tried to learn from him so much. I, I did what he said, you know, because I thought he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So I did what he said. I answered the phone the way he did. I hung up the phone the way he did. I, I would even talk in the same tone and cadence as he did, because that's what I thought was successful on the phones.
3: Yeah.
2: He also began dressing like him, driving the same cars. Oh, I'm not joking.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I took it a little extreme.
2: So, coaching and motivating are obviously essential factors to every successful team. Um, what approach do you take, like when coaching the agents and 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 just keeping them motivated? Because I think like everybody talks about motivation and inspiration and things like that. Um, what what are your take on those?
0: Well, I'd say something that took me a very long time to learn in coaching and business owning is uh, for years, I expected everybody to be like me, learn like me, right? Act like me, talk like me, do everything the way I'm doing, just as quick as I'm doing it, just as good as I'm doing it. Okay. And that didn't work. Oh. Yeah. Surprise. Not everybody is like you. Not everybody wants what you like, right? So you've got to meet people where they are. One of the biggest things you're going to have to do is learn to meet them where they are. Um, Some people, they're going to be motivated by money. Some people are going to be motivated by family. Uh, Some people are going to be motivated by service to others, right? Not everybody wants the cars, the jewelry, the jets. So trying to force them to be motivated on that that's going to push you in the wrong direction and steer them away. So you've got to make sure you're asking the right questions to your people, right? Like what does success look like to you, mm-hmm. right? What is your why? Yeah. What, what does success look like to you? Because if I don't know that, I can't solve your problems. I can't push you in that right direction if I don't know where you want to go. Right. You might not want to end up where I'm at. Right. You might want to end up somewhere else. You're, you're doing this for strictly financial gain. You're doing this strictly for more time with your family. You're, right. So if I'm trying to tell you to do something one way and you should be motivated by this, don't you want a jet? Don't you want a jet? You're never yeah. going to get a jet if you're not <laughs> working this much. It doesn't matter because I don't want one. Right. right? I, I want to spend Saturday with my, my kid golfing. Right. So whatever that motivation is and that why, that's what you've got to dig into in order to motivate them correctly find out what success looks like to them.
2: And I think that applies to like everything in life, right? Like you want to get your kids to do something, find out what's going to be motivating to them. Not every kid wants ice cream afterwards. Maybe a kid wants to sleep in on Saturday morning, right? Like this applies like the 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 information that Andy's giving like it doesn't just apply to real estate or just to sales. Like this is everything in life. Like you want your spouse to change, meet them where they are and find out what they're thinking about and what's going to motivate them to do something different. Like when I spoke on stage at Brian's event, I had a lot of men come up and be like, how do I get my wife to crush goals like you? And I'm like, well, what what does she want to do? Like, what does she find? Like, she might not want to CrossFit. She might want to go roller skating. She might want a hula hoop in her backyard. You know, like success looks different to everybody. So I think it's important to remind people like this isn't just about real estate or just about salespeople or just about building a team. This applies to every aspect of life. Yeah,
0: And I think for a lot of adults, it's hard to be coached. Yeah. You, you've got to unprogram yourself from everything that you've learned. You yeah. know, think, as a 30, 40 year old person, when's the last time you were coached? Right, uh, The high school basketball team, Right, when is the last time you were coached? So many people go into it with such an ego. It's hard to make yourself a blank slate and say, you know what? I know nothing about this. Teach me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, or they reply with defensiveness. Again, like, you're not saying – I'm not saying Andy – you're wrong. I'm saying if you tried this, it might be easier for you. And I think that that is huge, like especially in relationships in general. If instead of me coming to you and being like, Kylie, you should do the dishes, you could come to him and be like, hey, you know, if you did the dishes before you went to bed at night in the morning, you'd probably feel great because you wake up to a clean kitchen, blah, 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 blah. So like, how about we stop being defensive and we put our egos away and we say, how could this actually help me to live a better life, to feel better, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So before we wrap up, we only have three minutes left. I want to get in my question. If you could go back and tell 15-year-old Andy something, what would it be?
0: Hold on. I wrote this down somewhere. I knew this was coming.
2: It's my favorite um, question. It is.
0: Oh, man. I got to skip past this good stuff that I wrote now. To find oh, he's out.
1: coming back, folks. So stay tuned.
0: I might have lost it. Okay. What would I tell 15-year-old me? is um, that you have the power to create and design the life that you want. Whatever road you choose is going to be hard, and you just need to stop looking for excuses and focus on the results.
2: Boom. Mic drop. What's the good stuff you skip by?
0: Um, What good stuff did I skip by? That was... Adding someone to the team, right? There was a question about what do you look for when you're adding someone to the team.
2: Yeah. I I had some good stuff. Go ahead. We we can skip You got two minutes and 38 seconds.
0: Perfect. As far as what I look for when adding someone to the team, number one, always going to be attitude, right? Unfortunately, a negative person can always take a toll on a positive culture Mm -hmm. faster than a positive person can influence a negative one. Right. So we all know uh, business and personal lives intertwine. If you're having a bad day at home, it's going to carry over to the office. You're having a bad day at work, you're going to bring it home. Right. Right. So a lot of the time when we're coaching our new team members, we want to align both their personal and their business goals. So that's one of the things we work on as a coach align these routines with the success that you're looking for. Um, so if you're one of those people, that hold on now i'm lost you guys made me nervous you rushed me on time and now i'm all (laughs) over the place um so we've all heard that you're the sum of the five people you hang out with right Mm -hmm. um so i'll just go hang out with wealthy successful people sounds easy enough right 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 um except if i'm full of negativity and gossip Um, And while these other guys are talking about ideas and taking actions, I'm making excuses, right? I'm speaking negative. I'm probably not going to get invited back to that table.
1: Nope.
0: So part of it is we want to add value to that table. So if we can train and coach our our agents and our team members to become a valuable asset, that's when you're going to get your seat back at the table. So I'm not saying there's no hope for you if you are a negative person, if you are a gossiper, right? We still train and coach those people, just not in that team setting right away. We've got to go ahead and once you learn to change your mindset and tune to that winning frequency, that's when you're going to have the seat at that table. That's when you get to add value to those five people you want to hang out with.
1: I, I love it. that so much. Well, that this has been an amazing conversation. Um, wherever you're listening or watching, please click that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review because you know you love us. And we drop fresh stuff every Thursday. So come back next week for a new episode of Elite Life.
2: Bye.
0: We thank you so much for joining us today on The Elite Life with Trish and Kylie. Be sure to share the episode with a friend so we can continue bringing you more great tips on grit grace and real estate. You can also connect with us on Instagram, Facebook. We hope the ideas we share continue to help you build an empire and leave a legacy.